welcome back. Welcome back. It is so good to be back with our friends. Oh my goodness. I'm Ryan Bomberger. And I'm Bethany Bomberger. And you're listening to the Life Has Purpose podcast. We've been in lockdown for so long, but you know what? Life still goes on. You're right. It does still go on. And we've had the very unique opportunity to find that life has purpose in new and unique ways through this entire quarantine. I think the most important thing is during times like this, turn off the news. <laughs> I mean, really, it is just... Well, it's the one thing that stays consistent, yes. regardless whether you're in quarantine or out of quarantine. Yes. Blame stream media, fake, fake news, news, it is still unreal. on the move. I mean, you have all these resources. They have all these financial resources to actually bring us the truth, to bring mm -hmm. us the objective truth. But if you don't know it, how are you going to convey it? True. We're all and being the world, right? Always being inconsistent, always being contradictory. And and of course, you know, they, they love feeding fear. Mm -hmm. That's what they do. They want to feed more fear because then you rely on them. I got to tune into this six o'clock to the eight o'clock to the 24 hour news cycle. No, we don't. Right. Sometimes we need to tune them out and better yet, tune God in. Come on. That's what we need. It's true, because if we are relying on um, the textbook to live life <laughs> by any of these, even Fox News, CNN, C any of these, NBC, if we're relying on these things to be our textbook for how to live life and how to perceive life and the filter by which we weigh all the things that come at us, then we're going to fail the course. <laughs> yes, we are. And especially when that course is race mm. the easy subject on the planet people mm -hmm. trust me if it was um on a list of things to talk about this probably wouldn't have been our very first thing but i definitely know that there is the heart of god that wants to speak into what's happening in our nation right now and and, and he has something to say about what we're hearing and what we're walking through right i think it's important just to lay some groundwork here because mm -hmm. when we talk about the issue of race, we have to understand it is a made-up construct. Say that again, because that's very interesting. We we kind of have, especially for me, over the years and growing up until the last few years, I've adopted that mindset that there are many races, and I've just sort of taken that at face value. But if you go back to the Bible, which is the ultimate history book, right? It's the ultimate, um, the, the book on thinking critically and understanding the creation. Then you realize that we aren't multiple races. Not at all. And in fact, if race was so important, um, of course, it comes down mostly to color. Then why doesn't the Bible fixate on color? And it doesn't. You don't even know the right. color of the individual because that didn't matter. It was that content it was that character it was where is your spirit oriented right. is it oriented toward god or toward man right because when we talk about being one human race when we look at the word of god we realize that in first corinthians Adam is referred to, it says the first man, Adam, became a living being. Then Genesis 3.20 says, Adam calls his wife Eve because she was the mother of all living things. So you're talking about one man and one woman that is who began the human race. And let's not forget in Acts 17.26 where it says, from one man he made all nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. From one man, from one blood we are created. Mm-hmm. 
And it says further in Acts 17, 28, for in him we live and we move and we have our being. And I've heard that so many times as a child, but never quite heard the the latter part of that verse. And it says, as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. We are the children of God. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. So we have to start from a place that understands that we are brothers and sisters in Christ and we are all sinners saved by grace. Yes. And if that isn't our foundation for any discussion that we have on race, then we're never going to be able to come back to that. And we're never going to understand true reconciliation. We're going to get lost in the muddy part that comes after that. Our starting point is going to be wrong and our end point is going to be wrong. Right. If our premise is faulty, then it doesn't matter what the conversation is after that. And we get to understand race as we mentioned, it was a human construct. In fact, the first time it was seen was, I guess, 1758 with Carl Linnaeus, who was considered the father of taxonomy. And this is interesting to understand the origin of things because he he split human beings into different groups, European, uh, white European, dark uh, Asiatic, red American, and black Negro. But <laughs> this, these are the terms that he gave them. But then he would give these subjective terms to them, calling, you know, for instance, anytime he referred to... Europeans, he would refer to them as hopeful Europeans, and then the sad and rigid Asiatics, and then the irascible American natives, Mm -mm. and calm and lazy Africans. Mm -mm. Give me a break. Come on. I mean, this is what happens when humankind depends on its own logic and its own knowledge. It's just foolishness. But unfortunately, from that, we have uh, we have adopted this. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see it in all so many forms. And in fact, I never check them. Are you black? Are you white? Are you Asian? Are you? I'm human. Mm-hmm. Give me the box that says human. Mm-hmm. And yet, as a society, actually as a world, we've adopted this lie that separates us into different categories. You see it everywhere. I'm not just talking about forms, but it's in every facet of life, and it's in the church. Where we see each other as, you know, you're the black community in this church and you're the Asian community in this church. Is that biblical? When you talk about the truth, the truth withstands every situation and every circumstance. Okay. So as parents who are, you know, parenting biracial, quote unquote, biracial family, we have quote unquote mixed kids and, you know, black child and, and, and all these different hues, we have to come to a truth that withstands every situation. So when we're talking about, hi, this is the body of the black body of Christ in the church, the black community, and you have the white body of Christ. Christ in the church. Then I have these children who are biracial and they're like, well, where do I fit in? And that truth, which is not God's truth, will ultimately lead them into a life of internal confusion and of an identity crisis that God doesn't have for them. So we have to say, listen, we are all part of the body of Christ. Like you said, we are all one blood, one body. Yes. Yes, and that truth, the truth, will withstand every situation. So within our family, within our interpersonal relationships, as we begin conversations, as we end conversations, in our house, it begins and it ends with the fact that you are a child of God and that every single, you know, adjective that you want to add to the word Christian, mm-hmm. those adjectives- is unnecessary. Is unnecessary <laughs> and you are a Christian point blank. Period. I love it. It's Priscilla Shire who yes. says, I'm not a black Christian. I'm a Christian who just happens to be black. Yes. 
And when we adopt that mentality, we are seeing through the right lens. Mm-hmm. I mean, and anytime we talk about race here and we say biracial or multiracial, we're putting quotes around this. So instead of saying that throughout the entire show, just understand we reject this whole construct of race. Yeah. As Christians, we reject it because it is not biblical. It is not a godly way of looking at at things and situations. Now, I understand. Obviously, we've we've got history here in the in the United States. We right. have you know world history where people have chosen certain characteristics. It's not always been the color of our skin. It could have been because of a particular culture. I mean, you can go throughout world history and see the inhumanity of humankind. And of course, we we see some of the repercussions of slavery in this country, which was race based right but that was based on a lie we don't need to embrace the lie in order to help usher more healing in in those situations which need healing but i will also say in 2020 america is not the same place that it used to be justice is often slow in coming (laughs) but we are a radically different country so I reject those who and reject the the mindset that says that somehow we are even more racist country today than we were during the 50s and the 60s. Come on, people. When you and I could not have even been married. Oh, my gosh. Just so that there's no confusion, we are not denying that there are racial injustices. We are not denying that as a society, we need to look at things that need to be changed. We need to recognize the fact that there are still injustices happening. That is 100% a sure thing. And in the world, we're going to find that there's going to be injustices from now until our death. And we're going to find that there's going to be things that we have to recognize, call out, and deal with. Absolutely. If this was still the 60s, however, honey, you and I couldn't have even legally been married. How crazy is that? Right. So if you think about the world in the 60s and where we've come from that time, think about it. On June um, 12, 1967, the Supreme Court, it was the Loving versus Virginia landmark case, unanimously struck down laws banning interracial marriage. And there were so many of these laws in place in states across the country. Uh, they were called anti-miscegenation laws. Right. And they wouldn't allow someone brown like me and someone off-white like you <laughs> to be married. Oftentimes, people don't realize where these laws came from. But we have to keep in mind that these laws were laws that the Democrat Party, the Democratic Party, fully supported. See, I'm all about history. I'm all about factivism. We are all about factivism. But the South always gets beat up. All the time by fake news media and the public education system as if racism only happened in the South. But let me give you a perfect example. In 1935, Democratic Representative Dorian Todd in the state of Washington tried to push through an anti-interracial or anti-miscegenation law, marriage law, barring whites from marrying anybody other than other whites. So that was whether you had black skin, brown skin, yellow, it didn't even matter. It was a law to, to bar all of that. The bill failed. But in 1937, another Democrat, Senator Earl Maxwell, tried the same thing, and he failed. See, I just need people to understand, the Democrat Party was the party of slavery, of Jim Crow, of voter suppression, and anti-miscegenation. It was the party that created the KKK and terrorized both whites and blacks. But if you read anything from public education or fake news media about the abolition of slavery and who fought for civil rights, you think it was the Democrats. In fact, for years, the Democrat Party's official website ridiculously stated this. 
We've worked to pass every one of our nation's civil rights laws on every civil rights issue. Democrats have led the fight. What? And it's interesting because the argument often comes, Ryan, when people say that's a different Democrat party than the Democrat party today. So what would you say to that? You know, that's a great question. People often say, well, they switch and then they give all kinds of different time frames and nothing that makes any sense. It was the Republican Party that was the party of abolition. The Republican Party came into existence to abolish the evil of slavery. Mm -hmm. And they did that through the 13th Amendment. They also passed the 14th Amendment and the 15th Amendment. 14th Amendment giving people of my complexion, you know, citizenship, recognizing our humanity. And of course, the 15th Amendment giving black men the right to vote. And it took the 19th Amendment, of course, to give women the right to vote. But that didn't seal the deal, of course. So there were civil rights laws passed over and over again. The Civil Rights Law of 1875, which unfortunately was then deemed you know, unconstitutional by the Supreme Court back then. But that particular civil rights bill written and passed by the Republican Party was the the basis for the Civil Rights Act of 64. So you had the Civil Rights Act of 57 and 64 and 65 and 68. And the interesting thing is, if in fact there was some switch, when did this magical switch happen? People often say, well, it was during the 60s. The Dixiecrats, they dropped off. The Southern Democrats, they dropped off and they switched parties. And of course, they can only name one or two people who switched parties. But let me give you an example. This is actually from one of our articles on radiance.life slash VRA. It's about the Voting Rights Act of 65. Just to give you some a breakdown of the statistics, who voted for it? 69% of Democrats voted for that. Yet 94% of the GOP in the Senate voted for it. So that's 69% versus 94%. Who voted against it? 24% of Democrats, 6% of the GOP. But this is not the picture you get from mainstream media. It's not the picture you get from Hollywood and from public education. So you're, you're just talking, if you look at every single civil rights bill in the 20th century, between the 57, 64, 65, 68 civil rights bills, it was always the Republicans who voted in far larger margins. Mm. So the Democrat Party website should say, you know what, we fought against every possible civil rights bill out there, but that doesn't have the same ring to it. Life has purpose. Listen, download, and subscribe at lifehaspurpose.com or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. The Radiance Foundation illuminates that every human life has purpose. We educate hundreds of thousands about crucial social issues, and we motivate people to positive action. Truth won't take a vacation. That's why we need your generous donation. Tax deductible. Stuff is acceptable. Your gifts make illumination possible. Truth won't take a vacation. And here's how. Go to radiance.life slash donate to make your tax-deductible donation. Thank you for supporting our life-affirming work. 
In the midst of having this discussion, we 100% understand that Jesus Christ doesn't have a D, an R, an I next to his name. He's not a Democrat God, a Republican God, an independent. But when we're looking at these platforms, it would be a huge um, issue. It's a huge issue in my heart. We don't understand where the party platform stands right. on these issues. Absolutely. And you know, if you look at all of the issues, you want to look at the issues of life. You want to look at who's passing, who's passing the laws that not only allow abortion without restriction, but they're also part of their platform is that infanticide um, should be legal. You look at these platforms where they are today and unfortunately the democrats are leading in issues that aren't lining up with a biblical base right because they they lead on issues that that bring deterioration to the family and they need that i'm not talking about democrats in general i'm talking about politicians in general they need people to depend on them our salvation people is never going to be from any political party no it won't it will not be we know where our salvation comes from (laughs) it is from the one and only savior the king of all kings i was just thinking statesman and uh, philosopher edmund burke once said those who don't know their history are doomed to repeat it. And so many Americans don't know their history. And these are these are uh, mountains we don't have to keep going around. Let's take the mountain. Let's stop going around the base of it. Christians, let's have conversations that deal with race. But let's not come out at the same place we were. We can't come back to this place that says it's us versus them. Exactly. Because then it, it says this isn't a sin issue. Right. This is a skin issue. And just a skin issue yes and that's what a lot of people want to to conclude with and that's not the issue humankind is sinful right and that sin manifests in so many different ways it's not just racism racism is a sin absolutely and we Mm -hmm. denounce it Mm -hmm. but it is one of many many sins and i think part of the sin that the church is committing today is one distorting history often in order to have some of these conversations right. where we're grouping mm. people, we're putting, we're using critical race theory, really, right. and saying that there are two groups. There's the oppressed and the oppressors. And guess who are in the oppressed groups? People of my complexion. Guess who are in the oppressor group? People of my complexion. It's This is not biblical at all. And yet it's spreading through Catholic and Protestant churches like a cancer. Right. This is and, not and a biblical lens. There is something to be said for looking at history, looking at who was the oppressor, who were the oppressed people. And let's talk about it. Let's move through it. But I'll tell you what, I don't know who said this quote, and I've looked and I can't find who said it, but it stuck with me. It ran in my family till it ran into me. Right. As a Christian, we are anointed to take authority over generational curses. So when we're having this discussion, I don't hear people inputting that. This is what history says has happened. This is where we've been. But right now, who you were then isn't who you are now. And that's the essence of Christianity. I mean, we're new creations. And I'm grateful for Christians who saw slavery for the evil that it was. White Christians, black Christians who fought together to end the sin of slavery. One of my favorite childhood heroes, Frederick Douglass, mm-hmm. who was famed abolitionist. He was a former slave. And Had great un- hair. 
Just that, like you, babe. That I will have one day. Uh, actually, with this well, lockdown, mm-hmm. it's <laughs> going to be attainable. Well, we just need to part it in a different <laughs> spot. You're not that far off. Yeah, but, not yes. that far off. Hmm. But I'm telling you, I I admire this individual so much because he had a God perspective on things. Mm-hmm. And so here is someone who was looked at as subhuman simply because of the color of his skin, but he's still rooted for America. Initially, for instance, he opposed the Constitution and then realized that it is the instrument, it is the tool of liberation. And so if you have someone who who lived through slavery, who then still looks at, at America as a shining city on a hill, who still looks at white people as his brothers, then why can't we in 2020 have that same sort of mentality. This quote is actually from his speech called The Blessings of Liberty and Education. And he says, quote, I go further and declare that no man's devotion to the cause of justice, liberty, and humanity is to be weighed, measured, and determined by his Mm. color or race. And then he continues, we should never forget that the ablest and most eloquent voices ever raised in behalf of the black man's cause were the voices of white men. Not for the race, not for color, but for man and manhood alone. They labored, fought, and died. What a powerful force for racial reconciliation. I'm thinking of Martin Luther King's speech also where he said, I live for the day that it's not black power or white power. It's human power and God's power. Amen. And this is going to lead us into... What can be a really difficult conversation, but we're going to have it. We're going to talk about the injustice, the blamestream media, LeBron James. What does he have to do with any of this? And talk about the the horrific killing of Ahmad Arbery. You're listening to Life Has Purpose with Ryan and Bethany Bomberger. Life Has Purpose. Martin Luther King Jr. knew that racism had only one cure. Men will recognize that out of one blood, God made all men to dwell upon the face of the earth. Let us be dissatisfied until that day when nobody will shout white power, when nobody will shout black power, but everybody will talk about God's power and human power. Five decades ago, we lost a champion, but we didn't lose the truth. We are one human race. Learn more at RadianceFoundation.org. Every week, Ryan's articles appear on various news outlets. Each week, we'll feature one of his latest commentaries. It's time for some fearless factivism. Ahmad Arbery, LeBron James, and Blamestream Media. As someone who is African-American, I was actually reluctant to write about this tragic story. I've been writing about these issues for years. Not much has changed in our society's reactions since I've written articles like Black Lives Matter, White Guilt, and the Marketing of Racism, or Black Lives Matter, sort of, and White Guilt and Black Privilege. If we still internalize every injustice, segregate ourselves along color lines, and invoke the past to justify every racial critique of every institution in American life, well, except for the abortion industry, of course, have we progressed? Though some churches have engaged in crucial conversations about race, and I put that in quotes, we can't keep coming back to the same faulty starting point. 
In the words of Fannie Lou Hamer, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired of people being so easily baited and manipulated by the blamestream media. It amazes me the select injustices that go through the news magnification process. Blamestream media always quick and intentional about colorizing narratives, only when it suits their agenda, have made sure everyone knows about the horrific killing of Ahmad Arbery. His family and friends deserve justice. 100%. Sadly, his death is serving a bigger purpose for those who are hell-bent on painting America as a still deeply racist country. It's not 1962, when racism was state enforced and codified into every aspect of our nation's life. We are a much better America today on so many levels. When will we act like it? Yet this injustice will be exploited to promote a destructively false narrative like this pathetic tweet from LeBron James, which claims, quote, we're literally hunted every day, every time we step foot outside the comfort of our homes. End quote. Hashtag lie of the century. The only hunting down King James, which is what he refers to himself as, experiences is by a mob of fans. And for those out there repeating this poison, what's your hope here? You can't fight alleged or actual racism with more racism. You can't denounce prejudice and the violence that accompanies it with more prejudice. Enough already. As Christians, we must stop letting the world misshape our worldview. Yes, we should mourn for those who mourn. That's Romans 12, 15. Especially for the family and loved ones who've, who've had a precious life taken away from them. But we're not called to distort for those who distort. In fact, the very next verse, Romans 12, 16 says, Live in harmony with one another. But we can't live in harmony in the present when we allow ourselves to be defined by the discord of the past. Earlier in that same chapter, we are admonished, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The world has a pattern, people, and we see the same response to it over and over again, grieving, blaming, regressing, repeat. The godly pattern is very different. Mourning, loving, transforming, repeat. I'd love to know how many people decrying the horrific killing of this young man also equally decried the recent horrific killing of Paul and Lydia Marino, an elderly white Italian couple in their mid-80s by a young black man named Sheldon Francis. He shot them while they were visiting their deceased son's grave in a veteran's cemetery. Where are the protests? Where are the standing with Marino's hashtags? Are you lamenting for gang victims? Are you outraged for the store owners assaulted by a mob of teens? Are you wounded for the elderly Asian man attacked by a 20-year-old African-American, Dwayne Grayson? Are you mourning for women and children slaughtered for being Christians in Nigeria? Are you grieving for the 2,362 defenseless lives killed in America today in the name of reproductive justice? I'm sick and tired of the practice of exploiting a tragedy to bludgeon entire people groups. I'm even more frustrated with some Christians who have been forgiven of their own past, refusing to forgive others, especially of a past for which the accused, and I'm not referring to the McMichaels here, are not even responsible. Racial reconciliation cannot happen if we continue to see everything in life through the broken prism of race. Race is a human construct, a made-up thing. True reconciliation and redemption are godly things. I can't help but remember the racism-fueled attack on churchgoers in Charleston, South Carolina back in 2015. Dylan Roof, 
a mentally ill man slaughtered nine precious lives while they were in a prayer meeting. He was quickly convicted by a jury of nine white and three black jurors. The extraordinary actions of the families violently stripped of some of their loved ones shocked the nation. Family members told Ruth that they forgave him. The sister of one of the slain said, quote, we have no room for hating. We have to forgive, end quote. What the McMichaels did was evil. Justice is often slow in coming, but I believe, I hope it will rain down on this situation. But the same heart of darkness that led those men to carry out such a heinous act, the same heart that will so quickly destroy those made in the image of God is evident in every town, every city, and among every hue of skin. It is a sin problem, not merely a skin problem. You can change all the systemic structures all you want. If the soul of a person doesn't have the right framework, that brokenness will manifest itself into the destructive behaviors and unjust acts that can mark all of us, white, black, and every hue in between. I'm Ryan Bomberger, and you're listening to the Life Has Purpose podcast. You can read more of our op-eds at radiance.life slash news. Okay. Wow. So much to unpack. Um, I feel like first and foremost, the prayer is that there will be justice for his family. And, um, it goes without saying that this obviously is a situation that is needing justice. Yes. Now we don't know all the facts of the case, but what we've seen visually, and of course we know things can be deceptive visually, but it seems pretty clear it does. in the video what happened. Right. Uh, and although we still need to wait for all the facts, but we are we right. are adamant I mean, about justice raining down on this situation. Yeah, these these guys aren't just hanging out with like, you know, their concealed carry. They literally had a shotgun and their truck was stopped in the middle of the street. And I also can't wrap my I can't wrap my brain around the fact that there's a guy videoing who doesn't even respond. Audibly. Yes. Yeah, right. Weird. I mean, we all watch it and feel punched in the gut immediately. Right. And yet there's there's something here that needs to be unearthed and there's definitely a need, an extreme need for justice. Right. But see, you pointed something out there because the reaction from anyone that we know. Yes. The reaction from the majority of human beings was that punch in the gut. Like, this is wrong. Right. That alone really should tell people, wait a minute, we're in a different time. We're in a different place. Now, granted, it has taken months for the, the McMichaels to be arrested, and the Georgia Bureau of Investigation did it after coming onto the scene in a matter of less than 48 hours. They arrested the McMichaels. And and I'm trusting that they are going to get to the bottom of this and that justice will, will arise in all of this. And so it's been interesting as we've watched these responses, how is the church responding to this? You know, there are some really great conversations that look at this from a Christian worldview from black pastors like Tony Evans. Mm-hmm. Um, I love listening to Vadi Bakum. I always, awesome. man, I walk away like, yes, that was so meat. It was such a great perspective. Of course, we love Priscilla Shire. There's such a diversity of thought but that's why i really appreciate these particular black pastors speaking out about race and really coming from a solid biblical Biblical. worldview Mm -hmm. 
And you know, Bethany, there's some really great resources too for people to dig into these issues, particularly on race. One of the most brilliant men to ever grace the planet, Thomas Sowell has a book called Race and Culture, A Worldview. People really should check that out to understand from a sociologist standpoint, he, he just dives into this so diligently and really just shreds so much of the, the nonsense it, that, that tries to create all these false narratives about race and culture. So there's a great book from Ken Ham and Charles Ware. It's called One Race, One Blood. That's available everywhere. There's also a phenomenal resource online to actually understand more about critical race theory, and that's shenviapologetics.com. That's S-H-E-N-V-I apologetics.com. It's, it will blow your mind just to understand this this theory, this worldview that has been creeping into evangelicalism, especially like this cancer. It's, it's, it's tragic. An example I would point out would be a book called White Awake. It's written by right. Pastor Daniel Hill from out of Chicago. Chicago area. Yeah. Yes. Right, right. I will say, I know he, he has a heart for rec- racial reconciliation, that his heart is in the right place. And that, that's evident throughout the book. But in my opinion, his book is filled with unbiblical ramblings that rely on critical race theory. And that's a worldview extracted from critical theory, mm-hmm. which is rooted in Marxism. A godless philosophy whose founder, Karl Marx, declared, quote, the abolition of a religion as the illusory happiness of the people is required for their real happiness, end quote. And so I have a real problem with anybody who employs a secular worldview. I mean, the church should be leading on all these issues. Yes. You know, well, from from a biblical <laughs> perspective, right? Not embracing a, a a lie, not embracing a secular worldview to somehow analyze and and to bring you know this critique of what's going. On. No, no, you can't use a lie <laughs> in order to to uncover and illuminate sin, right? And you know, I what you shared in the commentary in the article that you'd written about this for me was so profound. Mourning and grieving is essential as important mourn with those that mourn Mm -hmm. grieve with those that grieve but that isn't where we stop that's where a worldview would allow the conversation to end you end in your mourning and your grieving and your sadness but as a christian we mourn we grieve and then we push through to remember that there's then transformation there is then something good that can come out of the mess that is what god does he redeems all things so let's take a broken situation and a circumstance and how can we bring this together and bring it full circle we are more than conquerors we are overcomers right and if you don't end the sentence there, then we're going to be stuck in the muck and mire of the world. And we're going to be just caught on this treadmill of sludge, which is what we see, you know, as we talk about media and mainstream media and stuff. They can't help but be who they are. But we can help who we are. Right. And we bring about Uplift. transformation by loving people. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we're called to do. We are called to love one another. And what does that look like? And what does that result in? And it looks like... Folks standing hand in hand, arm in arm, linked together, declaring this is an injustice and we want to see this changed and we're going to move forward together. Yes. And that's why one of my biggest issues with White Awake, that book, is in the foreword of the book, it says this, White Awake is a call to tell the truth. It is a call to find our deepest sense of identity in Christ, but also to realize that those who are white can't get there without breaking free of the distorted sense of identity they have 
from the narrative of racial difference. And that all deals with white privilege and white, you know, supremacy, all that kind of stuff. So it's bizarre. So you have this, and Daniel White's a white pastor. <laughs> He's saying, you can't come to the, your deepest sense of identity in Christ until you first figure out this supposed alleged identity that you have as someone who has white privilege and somebody who is benefiting from white supremacist structures. What? Right. That's not, that's not biblical at all. This is why if our identity is not rooted in Christ, then nothing else matters. That's our identity first. Our identity is not rooted in culture, people. Mm -mm. Culture is secondary. Culture is not... God, God created diversity, absolutely. But if our identity isn't in Christ first, then we allow the identities of whatever it may be, whatever that qualifier may be before as Bethany mentioned earlier, Christian, then we let we allow that to define us. We allow that to categorize us. We allow that to propel us into what conversation we're going to have and to make statements like, you know, all white people, they, they can't see racism. What? That was a campaign, by the way, by the YWCA. White people don't see racism. That's funny. It, it's, <laughs> it's, it really is um, fascinating because the older I get and the more I realize who I am in Christ and the more I walk through situations and circumstances and press harder and deeper into him, the more I understand different aspects of my identity in him. And I realize the beauty of my, I call it my inner circle, those friends that have become family. You know why? Because they are the brothers and sisters in Christ. They are the ones that bring the voice of heaven to my ears versus the voice of the accuser. And I don't know if it's because we've walked through adoption, we embrace adoption. I understand my love for my adoptive son runs just as deep as my biological. So for me, when I under, I have this viewpoint of the body of Christ, my brothers and sisters in Christ, Christ. It's it it just defies the blood is thicker than water theory, which says that I have to stick with my culture, stick with my quote unquote my people. You know, it takes me out of that. And you know what that is? It's Jesus. It is his revelation that allows me to be taken out of that mindset and understand that my sisters in Christ, those that have my back when I'm having a bad day, those that when I need to bounce ideas off of them, those the people that I go to are those that are rooted in scripture because those are my brothers and sisters in christ that you just nailed it on the head right there the whole us versus them isn't healthy it's not constructive i mean going back to that lebron james yeah. meme where, where he says you know we're literally how do you say we're literally hunted down we being black people we're literally hunted down every day every time we step foot outside the comfort of our homes can't even go for a bleep jog like what the man are you kidding me no lebron james are you kidding me we are not hunted down every time we go out of our homes this this hyperbole doesn't help bring healing mm-hmm and healing is what we we need to happen. And we can't look to the world for that to happen. Mm -mm. The world will never fully understand it. And of course, Satan doesn't want healing. I mean, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So he's not going to want healthy and constructive conversations. We have to want it as Christians. And we have to have it based on the truth and not look through the broken 
prism, sometimes I call it the broken prison of race, mm. because we're all held captive in that. And blamestream media loves that. But we're supposed to look through a different lens until we do that, until we're intentional about having relationships with people who don't look like us and people who don't have the same background. And until we're actually loving one another, we're going to have, I mean, these are the issues we will battle as long as humankind exists. I know. Do, you, do you remember Dylan Roof? He went in and oh, it was horrific, killed nine churchgoers. In South Carolina. Yeah. Right, in South Carolina. Uh, what was so powerful is, you know, we, we talk about mourning with those that mourn and grieving and then forgiving right. and moving on to transformation. Do you remember what the family members of the deceased came out and said? It was incredible. Yeah, they, they said, I forgive you. I, I would have to admit that would be that would be very hard. I could o only through the power of God could I even do that. Sometimes it's harder to forgive for far less of an injustice. Right. But here you have this picture of folks that are mourning, grieving, forgiving, pressing into what God's heart would be. I think of Christ on the cross saying, forgive them for they know not what they do. He had this heart of forgiveness. And as we've said, we are not saying that there is not injustices there are injustices but what is the christian response right and if we are not willing to forgive what we will do is we will hold on to the past not just for understanding the past mm -hmm. but hold on to the past to continue to allow it mm -hmm. to define us right and to dictate our our responses so then it's always the emotional response it's always a i'm living in fear fear is not of god yeah. I mean, I, I know some people live in situations where life is hard and, and they're terrified to go. I mean, we worked in those neighborhoods, right. you and I. Yes. But we're talking as a Christian response, especially if you're a pastor. God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of love, power and a sound mind. And we have to approach things like that. And if we're not willing to forgive, we're not going to see anything change. We're going to continually regress. And we're going to go. It's, it's, it's like this vicious cycle where something else happens. The next mm -hmm. injustice, the, you know, the singular injustice that news, that blamestream media will bring up and, and we'll go through it again. Mm -hmm. And never break out of that cycle. And then we're going to watch as our children, people that are watching what we're doing, we're going to see them take on the same offenses and that will be our legacy. So far be it from me that that be my legacy. Right. If there is, if there are things that are generational curses that are in my bloodline, it is my prayer before heaven and earth that I can just go before the Lord, repent for the sins of my fathers and those before them and say, this is going to stop here with me because transformation is going to be the story going forward. Right. Because regardless of what my past is, I can't go back and redo things. And you know what? God didn't create a system where we could go back and change things that happened in the past. He's God. He could have created a system that allowed that to happen. He could have allowed time travel, but he doesn't. He says, what are you going to do with what's in front of you now because the only thing you can do is deal with it in, in a way that will change the future i understand it from just the the experience of adoption mm -hmm. adoption takes what was broken mm -hmm. and brings restoration and wholeness to that there is a transformation you know i, I 
I'm not stuck in some endless cycle, whatever perhaps my birth mom went through, whatever her mom, and my birth mom was a foster child herself. But there is this breaking of what was in the past. Mm -hmm. I witnessed it with my nine siblings who were adopted, some who came from horrific physical abuse, but who are now loving parents Mm -hmm. and didn't have to repeat that. So in adoption, in the natural, there is that breaking. Imagine how much more in the supernatural when we are adopted into the family of God. Mm -hmm. We are all his offspring. When we're adopted into that family, there is something that changes. We are no longer allowing that past, that brokenness, that evil, that desperation, that hopelessness to any longer define who we are Mm -hmm. and how we respond to things in the present we can't Mm -mm. romans 12 10 says be devoted to one another in love honor one another above yourself let's not be aggressive to push blame let's not be quick to take on false guilt let's work together as the family of god to see hope and true racial reconciliation in our hearts, in our lives, in our culture, and in our sphere of influence, because that's really all that we have control over. You know what, babe? Our marriage is the tangible realization mm. of that racial reconciliation. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you if you firmly believe in racial harmony, then you have to believe that this is such a beautiful example where you're saying, I will love you the, for the rest of my life. I will give my life for you. Mm. You know, you as my wife, I will do anything for you. I'm brown. You're... Really, 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 really light, light, light brown. <laughs> okay, maybe off-white. This is the perfect example of where we need to be. I'm not saying everyone needs to be in an interracial marriage. That's not what I'm saying. But to understand and embrace this whole mentality, this is how God sees us as people that he's created, first and foremost. Yes, he created the diversity, he created the differences, but... If we are called to love one another, that means we love each other, not just as friends, but we're willing to love each other even as husband and wife. Mm -hmm. We're willing to love each other as adoptive parents who you can be a black couple who are adopting a white child. You can be Mm -hmm. a white couple adopting a black child or an Asian child. It doesn't matter because what matters is that we are all created in the image of God. We are all made from one blood. And I think when we come from that perspective, and that we infuse these injustices with the hope that can only come from a God who creates us and recreates us. We bring light to the darkness. We'd love to know what you think of the podcast. Go to lifehaspurpose.com and give us your feedback. You can also listen and download our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or SoundCloud. Remember, whatever may come your way. And no matter what people say, your your life life has purpose. purpose.